0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. It's good to be here. Are you ready to be encouraged? Yeah. Yes, ready to be encouraged by God's Word. <clears throat> keep believing, That's what Stevie just said. Keep believing. Wherever you find yourself with whatever's going on, with whatever situation you're in, keep believing. Really, that's just so good. That, Stevie, just for whoever it is, wherever it is, wherever you're at... God is not finished yet. He is not finished in your life. He is going to continue to work in your life wherever you find yourself. Now, there are moments in our lives where we wish things were different. There are moments that hit when you find yourself in a position that you had never expected before in your life, when life hits hard, God's good, and his grace is wonderful, and it's powerful, and I see it come into fruition, and then life hits, and you go, what God promised for me over my life doesn't match up with my reality, right? Now, anybody find themselves in a situation like that in their life? If you haven't, then you're just lying to us, like, let's be clear. This happens in life. We get hit with life, moments and times in your life where you thought things would be different. God's promise not matching up with reality. The moments in your past or your present which they just don't make any sense and I want to talk to you today about the subject of when you wish things were different. God is going to put his finger on the pulse of some of these moments for you in your life where you look back and you go God I look at that moment and yeah I wish that had never happened. Yes it was a long time ago or yes it's current And I'm just not so sure you can work in that moment. You've worked in all these other moments and I've seen your goodness, I've seen your grace, but not that one. And God's gonna put his finger on the pulse and he's gonna pour in his grace so you can face these situations again in his strength. Whatever moment where you need to believe again, where it's hard to believe in, he's gonna put his finger on the pulse and he says, as Stevie said, believe again for his goodness Amen. So we're strapped in, ready to go. This will be fun. Um, Whenever anybody deals with difficulties in life, any form of loss, any form of grief, any form of difficulty, the world generally, it's, it's generally accepted that there are five stages of loss and grief. Now, there's some differentiation in some of the research. It could be seven. It could be a little less than that. And some of those stages of grief and loss, you may have heard of them. They are denial anger, bargaining, there are depression, and then you get all the way through to accepting whatever's happened in your life. When you look back and go, that's different than I thought it would be, but actually I get to the point where I accept it. But we work through lots of different emotions, we work through lots of different thoughts, feelings, pain. Sometimes we look at it and see the good in it, And we work through all these things not necessarily in linear fashion we can bounce from one to the other but at the end we get to the point where we accept what God has done or we accept where things are at but sometimes it's hard to trust that he can use it and that he can work it for our good and that's where we're going today to trust that God in all things he brings all things together for your good amen Okay, so the stages of denial, sometimes when we deny things, we do it to minimize the pain. It becomes hard to believe that something's happened in your life. Uh, we often pretend that it didn't have an effect on us, really, or we just pretend it didn't happen at all. It didn't really happen at, whatsoever. We move through to the likes of anger and depression where we start experiencing emotions of loss, of grief, of pain. And then we move on to the bargaining where we, we think a little bit of, you know, how could I have changed that situation? if only it had been different in my family, if only I had said something different, it could have looked different. Sometimes we then do that, and then we, as I say, we get to the point where we have a general acceptance of, yes, this happened, and I don't know what to do with it, but it happened in my life. And God comes in today, and he wants to say to you that it's normal to experience emotions, thoughts, feelings about all of these things in your life, but he wants to come in and wants to resurrect some of those things where he wants you to face those situations again in his strength, not your own, in his grace, in in his power. It's totally normal to experience all those different things. And those stages of grief and loss, whatever goes on in your life, the hard moments, the moments you can't explain, the stages are completely normal. And we experience them in the story of John 11, in the story of Lazarus, when Lazarus is raised from the dead. We all know the story, right? Where Jesus is, he's told by Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, that Lazarus has died, your friend, the one that you loved, has become ill and has died. And Jesus stays where he is for two more days, some friend, right? He just stays where he is for two more days and goes, nah, I'll just get to that a little bit later. And then he goes, and then what happens, as we know, is he resurrects Lazarus. He brings him back from the dead. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of some of this story of the reactions that we can have in difficult moments and the reactions that we can have in moments we can't explain God's grace is good, and I love him, and he loves me, and life's going great, but there's just a couple of things I can't quite understand. And in those moments, God's gonna shine in his grace for you, revelation that he works all things together for your good. For Mary and Martha, they find themselves in a position that they had never expected in life. They followed Jesus. They heard his preaching. They saw his miracles. They were following like disciples and seeing what he was doing. And it was all going great. One chapter earlier, Jesus was saying, I have come that you may have life in all of its fullness. And then their brother dies. Unexpectedly, the one who Jesus loves. Unexpectedly, the one who he loved. It's vibrant the chapter before. It's all going good. And then he's dead. He gets ill and he dies. What do you do in life when it takes an unexpected turn? When you're following God, you're being faithful, he's being faithful, then all of a sudden, life just comes rushing in. Didn't expect it, couldn't plan it. Where do you turn? Where do you focus? Where do you fix your gaze in those moments? Because we all have those moments. When you're living in your purpose, and then all of a sudden, sickness strikes. When your family life's going really good, then all of a sudden that relationship that you've poured time and effort and money into goes sour. When you thought, you know what, my career would look different by now. I thought it would look a little different. And all of a sudden you look back and go, I never thought I would be here. Anybody find themselves in those moments, not necessarily generally in life, some of us enjoy our days, but there are moments where you just go, I didn't expect it to look like that. I didn't expect to find myself here. And there are some of the moments that we have and we declare, yep, your grace works well. And then that addiction raises its head and we struggle in that area again. We struggle to believe in our finances again. We're finding it a challenge. Relationships break down. We just find ourselves completely, the uncovered things that we don't tell anybody, they raise their head and we go, God, how on earth are you gonna work in this? God comes to you today like the story of Lazarus and he says, I want to resurrect and I want to work in these areas that you can't understand. Because see the areas where you can't understand, that is fertile ground for God to work in, amen. That is where he can work when we're at the end of ourselves. So how do we do that? A story like Lazarus, when you're Mary and Martha and your brother gets ill and your brother dies, that's difficult, that's tough. How do you navigate that? The first thing that the enemy will try is to tell you in the moments where you have no understanding of what goes on, you don't know how this situation is going to work out, the first thing the enemy will try and do is tell you that you have no control over your response, that you have no way to control what's happening. You see, we suffer the most when we have or we feel like we have no control over what's going on in our life. We suffer the most when we feel like we can't control our response you see where I'm going with this? It's hard to be able to respond whenever you feel like you can't. But the reality is, and, and this this is a thing called learned helplessness. Uh, you may have heard this before. Um psychologists, a guy called Martin Seligman, found this, and it's they do lots of tests on um animals and things like that, where they put them in difficult situations, then they remove the barrier, and then over time, what happens is the is so used to the tough time that it just doesn't walk out the front door, almost because it's conditioned that tough times happen and I can't control myself and I can't control my response. The first thing in the enemy wants want you to do is to believe that whatever happens in your life, you can't control your response. The truth is, whatever comes to your front door, you can choose how you respond to it. And we see Jesus does this in John 11, verse four. He gets the news that Lazarus, not just sick, that he's died, and Jesus says when, he, it says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. His heart for you, no matter whatever you have experienced, is that he will be glorified in it. That he will bring out his goodness in whatever situation that you're in, in whatever situation you find yourself. So Jesus makes the choice and says, yes, I've heard what's going on, but I'm gonna to choose to recognize God's goodness in this moment. You see, how you see any given situation, whatever comes to mind when I talk about those ones you don't understand, how you see it is just how you see it. It's not necessarily the way it is. How God sees it is exactly the way it is. And when we see a situation, we see it with all of our flaws and wonderful flawed thinking at the worst of times, and we interpret things differently, and we can't see the full picture. So how you see it is just how you see it. But how God sees it is exactly the way he's ordained it. And the way he sees it is, I will get the glory in every situation that I'm in, in any situation that you find yourself. So Jesus makes a choice. He doesn't work through the stages of loss and grief and doesn't go straight to denial. He, he recognizes Lazarus has died, but he recognizes in the middle of it, good's gonna come out of it. The first stage of loss and grief, as I said, is denial. Now, when the disciples hear about this, they just play the whole thing down. Jesus says, Lazarus has fallen asleep and we're going to wake him up. Now, anybody with any common sense would know that, yes, he's talking about he's dead. And the disciples just say, well, sure, if he's just sleeping, then like, well, we'll just go and wake him up. Like, he'll be all right, you know. And Jesus looks at them plainly and just goes, he's dead, Lazarus is dead. Don't deny what I've just been telling you. Don't deny the news that you've got. He's dead. And Jesus says, don't deny the bad news in your life. Don't deny the difficulty. And sometimes in grace, there is this unwritten rule almost. It's not preached from the front here, of course not. But it's, a, it's an unwritten rule that when something happens and you don't understand, oh, don't, don't admit that. Because we should know better now. We should know better because God's goodness is on us and his favours on us. So there's no way we can talk about Something that we don't understand. And Jesus comes to you and says, don't deny it. Because denial, that's actually, it's not accepting what God can do in your life. You just hide it and you say, no, it's not really there. So Jesus says, "Don't, don't do denial. Don't be like the disciples. Don't pretend like it's not there. Has anybody in life got those people who are just far too positive for, um, for your liking. Do you know, you can only deal with them for about six minutes and then you need to, need to move on. Does anybody have? If, if you don't have someone in your life who's like that, you might be that person. Do you know where you're just way too positive? Like you could have driven down the church today and like run over two dogs, but you'll come in and you'll be like, highly favored and blessed, brother, it's great. Do you know those type of people I'm talking about? Yeah, um, again, if you don't, it might be you. Um, it's good to be positive. It's good to see the good in situations, but don't deny challenges don't deny them because then you don't work properly through the stages of lost grief and you struggle to get to an acceptance of what's happened and you see the reality is denying your reality it it denies God the room to work God can work in broken situations and if you pretend like it's not broken then he'll not get the glory because you just pretend like it's great all the time you pretend like no no I don't need to worry about that you know, I got, this, I got this diagnosis or this family situation looks like this, but no, I'll just, I'll just pretend that, you know, God's good, blinkers on and it'll work itself out. It's okay to accept and to recognize these things happen in life, but God is above it all and he will glorify himself through it. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that the son of God may be glorified through it. And we see different responses with Mary and Martha in verse 21 and verse 32 of John 11. They say the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had only just come a little bit earlier, this would have looked completely different. This is the stage of bargaining when stuff happens in our life that we don't understand. We start to say, well, if I'd have done something differently, if I'd have thought differently, if I'd have said something differently, It just wouldn't look like this. Jesus, if you'd only arrived four days earlier, I know this would not have happened. Sometimes we do that in our situations. We try and recreate the narrative of what's happened. And we say, if only only I'd just said this, if only I'd just done this, if only it looked a little bit different, then I know this, this tough time or this thing that I couldn't understand, it wouldn't be happening. And we do that, don't we? In our own heads, we try and recreate the narrative and God comes to you and says what have you told yourself about some of these situations what narrative have you told yourself because if you keep believing that it could have been different and it should have been different if I did something different I would have been freed from it you'll rob yourself of the joy that God can bring good out of it because again you come back into this denial and this is what Mary and Martha do they start to in a way almost blame Jesus like if you if you were only here like Lazarus wouldn't have died Jesus is off doing whatever else he's doing and they try and bargain and sometimes we do that as well and what happens is our focus then just becomes on regrets and our failures. We no longer look at what God is doing, what he will do and we no longer look at the future. We look back behind and we keep our eyes focused on the past. But that said, there's grace all through this story. It's incredible that Mary and Martha feel comfortable enough to say to the Son of God, I mean, I don't know if I would have done it. If only you'd have been here, Jesus, the one who gave me life and all of its fullness, if only you'd have showed up, that would have been helpful. You sort of think, the nerve, do you know? But what happens is Jesus, with his grace, allows you to be real with him allows you to be vulnerable with him and one of the biggest lies in your suffering in your experiences that you can't understand is that for to earn acceptance and approval from people we need to paint ourselves as a different person we must deny and hide our true self from people and actually that will get us the approval and the acceptance Jesus goes way beyond that and says no I want you to be real with me I want you to come to me and go, Jesus, what the flip is going on here? Why is this situation looking like this? When you're off doing whatever you're doing, when you could have healed my brother, when you could have raised him from the dead, what's going on? And Jesus says, be real with me. Be vulnerable with me. Because when you do that, when you don't deny your true self, feelings, emotions, and rawness and all, that's where you see God's power. In 2 Corinthians, it says, it's Paul. He said, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you have ever found yourself in a moment of weakness, if you have ever found yourself in a situation you can't control or feel like you can't control, it is fertile ground for God to work in. It is fertile ground for God to resurrect something in because He gets the glory in these situations, amen? And he is utterly committed to that, way more committed than you and I are to trying believing for something. His commitment goes beyond that. He's capable, he's faithful, he's able to work in every situation. So when we're weak, actually that is when we are strong. So Jesus says to you, in the moment you don't understand, there is power in your pleading with God. There is power in your wrestling with God. There is power when you don't understand. Don't hide it away. Open yourself to the things you don't understand because that's where he works. Paul showed vulnerability in, uh, in the verse in 2 Corinthians. The context is that he says, I had a thorn in my flesh, something that I couldn't control, something that happened to me that I couldn't understand. And I pleaded with God. He said, He pleads with God three times Jesus, take it away, take it away, take it away. And in that moment, now there's this dispute of what that is for Paul, whether that's a physical illness, whether it's his past that was haunting him, whether it was people who had done damage to him, but he pleads with God, and he says, "Take it away. Take it away, take it away." And Jesus comes, God comes and says, "In your weakness, I am strong, so that you don't rely on yourself, you rely on the one who is above it all and works in every situation." <clears throat> Paul had written the Second Corinthians verse. I think it was about AD 55, and seven years later, in Philippians, he writes, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed, going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. And then he says in 4 verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me and empowers me says, I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength. Seven years between those statements of take it away, I'm pleading, I'm weak, but you'll be strong. I know you will to the point where in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being content, facing life. When you plead with God, there's power in your pleading because he changes you. But if you close off the doubts, if you close off the denial, if you close it off and just pretend it's not happening, God doesn't allow, his, the power doesn't work in that. He wants you to be real. He wants you to be raw with him. There's power in your pleading. My favorite part of the story is not Mary's response, not Martha's response. It's Jesus' response to when he hears that Lazarus is dead and when he comes to see Mary and Martha. It says in verse 33. This is Mary now is upset. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And in the shortest verse in the Bible, 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of those said, could he not open the eyes of a blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus is doing these miracles, could he not have done this? But Jesus, when he sees her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. You'll notice I don't trust the glass of water that sits down there. I brought my own. Uh, Andrew's always joking about that being backwashed, and I actually believe him. So um, that's why I've got this water with me. When Jesus saw the weeping. He was deeply moved. Let me explain what that is in the Greek, okay? Deeply moved isn't just a, just a pull on my heartstrings a wee bit. Deeply moved, it's a Greek word for like a horse that gets angry and snorts. That's what it means in the Greek. Jesus was moved to the point of indignation, anger at the situation that they find themselves in. Anger that death was a reality. Anger that he lost his his loved one. Anger that he sees the weeping before him. He's moved, deeply moved. So this is not just like he felt a little emotional. No, he was furious that this was the reality. He was furious that his people, at times in their lives, go through difficulty that they can't understand. And his, his response, his response in verse 33, he was deeply moved they're weeping and he just asks a simple question where have you laid him god's response to your trouble whatever the trouble whatever the difficulty is not to condemn you because you've got it going on it's not to condemn you because you're upset and you're maybe feel out of control it's not to condemn you because sickness is at your door or relational breakdowns at your door it's to just look at you and go where is it show me your trouble show me what's going on. Take me to your trouble. Take me to your lack of faith. Take me to your beliefs and emotions that are up and down, up and down like a fiddler's elbow. He says, take me to those moments. That's his response to you. The God, as we sang, the God who weeps, who is not out of touch with reality, He weeps for you in the moments that are difficult. He is there for you in the moments where you need him. He he was a human that he has experienced everything that you and I experience. And it doesn't shock him and it doesn't surprise him. So rest in his grace. Lean into whatever these moments are in your life and thank God that you have grace for me that I don't need to have it all together, that I don't need to believe all of the time for your goodness, that I don't need to have the perfect life going on because he looks at you and says, where is it? Show me whatever's going on and I'll bring it to life. Show me whatever you need and I will resurrect that in your life. I will bring purpose out of those things. Jesus accepted the reality of the situation. Denial is, is, it, it doesn't accept what God can do. And accepting that stuff has happened in your life isn't denial of who God is either. Some of us have got to the point where we have accepted, my life looks like this. I didn't know if it would look like this. This part looks great, but actually that part I don't really understand. We've accepted it, but we stop short of accepting that God can do something with it. And God wants to encourage you this morning that he can bring things to life, that he can change things in your life. We don't have a high priest, it says in Hebrews in the message, who's out of touch with reality. He knows how the world works. He knows how life works. He knows, as Andrew would say, a wet Tuesday in November. He knows what it feels like. But he's God above it all. And he brings impossible situations and makes the possible happen. Okay, this is the God that we follow. So he says, take me to your loss. Take me to your pain. Take me to the things you don't understand. He sympathizes with our weakness. Do you know the context in this story? Is Yes, it's his friend, but in John chapter 11, Jesus has done so many miracles and he has annoyed the Pharisees, no end. And he comes back to Jerusalem knowing that when he comes to Jerusalem, he signed his own death warrant because they stoned him the last time he was there and they they ran him out of the town. He comes out of his love for Lazarus knowing that this, by resurrecting Lazarus, this, this is the end for him because there's no escaping that. There's no escaping doing the most miraculous sign yet, and he has signed his own death warrant. God is not put off by your trouble. He's not put off by your lack of faith. He, out of his love, went to Lazarus. Out of his love, no matter what it cost him, our mess, our struggles, our difficulties, that he went to the cross for all of it, folks, so that you and I know, as we always say every week, we are righteous, we are holy, we are blameless. So see any area of your life you don't understand, it is not off limits to God. He is not put off by it. He's not surprised by it. He went to see Lazarus to raise him from the dead at the cost of his own life. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves your life. Warts and all, he loves all of it. Amen. God builds strength in our suffering. See, when you don't know and you can't see what God's building around you, He's building something in you in those moments that you don't know what's happening around you. Okay? See, whenever I go to the gym, and if you want to build muscle, if you want to get stronger muscles, um, as is my hobby, and it is, and uh, what happens if you want to grow muscle, you actually have to cause physical damage. To your muscles in order for them to grow okay stevie you know i'm talking about so um (laughs) that's not a joke Uh, so you have to cause damage what happens whenever your muscle contracts whenever you're lifting the weight and you lower the weight down again it's called mechanical tension okay so your muscles can't cope with the heavy weights what happens when you lift it the proteins in your muscle and the muscle fibers go together see whenever you then lower that weight down they literally tear apart The muscle fibers with proteins in your muscle, they go together, they tear apart. They go together, they tear apart. And some of us who are just absolutely mental do this thousands of times a week, Uh, just where literally muscles together, together back. You cause physiological damage to your body to cope with the tension. And then what happens is inflammation happens, but a healing process begins, and your muscle will repair to the point of where it is stronger and bigger than before. So see whenever you don't know what's going on around you, see when you don't know what God is building out there in front of you in your circumstances, he is building strength in you. Any damage that has occurred in your life, any suffering that has occurred in your life, he is building character in you. He is building resilience in you. What for? So that you can deal with the next thing. Do you know why? Because see, over time, some of us who are, you know, the more experienced in the gym, what happens is... And I can't say that because I've got the mic. So what happens as you become more experienced, your body actually resists the damage, okay? So for those of us who have been to the gym and done a workout, you will experience the awful muscle soreness that comes and lasts for what feels like three years, but it's only a couple of days. Um, Andrew hasn't experienced that muscle soreness. Um, I have been asking him... It's, uh, we're, what are we now, April, 20, whatever. I've been asking him now for three and a half weeks to come to the gym with me. And uh, ever since he made that joke at the front, I don't forget. um, (laughs) I have asked him for three weeks solid. And he continues to say he's not coming. But when you go, and and he will go, you will experience this awful pain that is the muscle soreness and the muscle damage. But as you become more experienced, your muscles, they actually, they develop this ability to defend against damage, which is why you see like massive bodybuilders, they need to do crazy more weights to even get a response in their muscles. So what happens over time as you're building character, as you're building resilience in your life with hit after hit and knock after knock, you are increasing your ability to defend against the next thing. That's what God's doing in your spirit. Whether you believe it or not, that's true. Because in Romans, it says in chapter five, there's, this is the message version, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling short-changed. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. God's building strength in you. The the version that's not the message will say that he develops patience, then character, and character, hope. That's what God pours into you in every moment of your life that you can't understand, in every moment of your life that you don't know how it's gonna work out. In every circumstance, we say, God, I need you to come through for me here because I can't understand what's going on. When you don't know what he's building around you, he's not not working. He's building something in you, amen? That's the truth, and that's what's going on. See, when you've experienced a setback, something you didn't expect, something that you wish had never happened, It's easy to believe that this has halted God's presence in your life. It's easy to say, oh, because of this, like God's clearly not working. I wonder what I've done because he's not not doing anything with it. And we then believe the lie, especially when we have been responsible for some of the pain in our lives. We believe the lie that I made this mess. I've got to get myself out of it. Somebody's got to pay, as Andrew would say. I've made a mess. I need to get myself out of it. God comes to you in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your Lazarus situation, and he says, as he said to Mary and Martha, take me to it, let me see it, and I will bring resurrection. I will bring fresh hope. I will bring fresh vision. I will bring fresh dreams in those areas where it's just hard to believe because that's the type of God I am. I'm intimately connected with every single detail of your life, even the ones that you don't talk about. That's who he is, and he sees everything that's going on. So when you can't see him building something for you, he's building something in you. Let me tell you a little bit of truth. If it's not good, then God is not done with it yet. I'll say that again for you. If it is not good, God is not done with it. He hasn't finished with it yet. Any area of your life, if you can't see the good in it, if you can't see why that happened, if you can't reflect on it and say, I saw your hand there, then he's not done He's not finished because, as it says in Romans 8.28, and we know with great confidence that God, in the Amplified Version, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. And we know with great confidence, not some things to work together together, Not one thing to work together, all things. Every single area of your life. Relationships, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your family, all things can work together for good. That you can look back and go, I see your hand there, God. You provided for me there. I got to where I am and I have no idea how I'm still standing, but God, your goodness was there. He causes all things to work together according to his plan and his purpose. Don't look at your life as individual moments in time. The failures over here, the setbacks over here, the good stuff here, the mistakes here. Don't look at them in isolation. The winds over here, the lows over there. Don't view those unexpected turns in isolation. If you do that, you'll get focused on the fact that this happened or I still don't understand this. This area is really good and I'm seeing God there, but I don't see it there. God just hasn't worked it together for good yet. But he's in the middle of knitting everything together. So you'll look back on your story and say, God, you worked that for my good. We have to view the bigger picture in things. And even in the moments that we don't understand, Paul, when he was writing the New Testament, he wrote the bulk of it when he was on the road, when he was doing the stuff, he was preaching the gospel, he was seeing the miracles, he was writing the epistles as he went. And then all of a sudden he is imprisoned and He can't do any of that anymore. He can't do any of the things that Jesus has saved him for. He was saved on the Damascus road and all of a sudden he can't do those things anymore. But he saw it as an opportunity. And what we see now when we step back is see that Paul wrote probably the guts of 30% of his letters when in prison. And not just the minor ones, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wrote it from a setback. He wrote those things from a moment. He never expected himself to be in prison. Imprisoned, didn't expect it would look like this. And he writes some of the bulk of writings that we get things about. Marriage, we get things about believing in all circumstances. Don't worry about anything. Pray in all things, in all circumstances. So God says, no moment is wasted in your life. No moment has been wasted. Every setback is an opportunity for him to turn it for good. Amen? Every single setback. Genesis 50 says that, this is Joseph now, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Your future is looking back and seeing his goodness in every area of life. And there is no telling the impact it has on people. There's no telling your situation, your circumstance, how it will encourage not just you, but the people around you. Amen. That's what it says. For God, God intended it all for good. The biggest challenge in unexplained circumstances when you wish things were different, in pain, trauma, suffering, is that you wish things were different, but the biggest challenge is when you believe the lie that God's powerless to change your situation. When you believe a lie that it's better to deal with it in your own strength, it's better to place it, like Lazarus, place it in a grave, roll a stone over it, and forget about it. That's the biggest lie. That's the biggest challenge in your suffering when actually you just think, God, you're powerless to change that. So I've dealt with, it. I've accepted, I've moved it on. I've put it in the grave and I've rolled a stone over it and I don't need to think about it anymore. God comes to you in your trouble and says, roll away the stone. Let me have a look again at some of those issues. Let me have a look. Face it again in grace when you know you can be vulnerable with him, when you know you can be real with him. Nothing surprises him. He says, face it again. God has come to resurrect and breathe life into areas today for people, in whatever areas those are, whether it's your health, whether it's your situation, your relational family situations, your provision, he wants to breathe life into them again. And he says, roll away the stone. You see, often sometimes in grace, we say, yep, God's done it, the work's done, the work's done. And then we say, we rest. And that is true, absolutely true. The outcome doesn't rest on you but he requires participation. Allow him to look in and see those things. So that's why he says, roll away the stone. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, again, deeply moved by your situation, comes to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. It reminds you again today, believe again for God to glorify himself in your life, in whatever situation you find yourself in. Believe again. The amazing thing about God's grace is that at no point did Martha and Mary expect Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's already said your brother will rise again and Martha thought that meant at the end times. They never had any belief that God could do anything. So at no point did they set themselves up for a miracle. At no point did they understand what he was rolling the stone away for. That's why they said, but there'll be a mad stench. Like he's been in there for four days, seriously. They didn't believe at any point. God doesn't require you to be filled with faith 100% of the time. He doesn't require you to be shouting from the rooftop, saying nothing's impossible, nothing's impossible. God is good, God is good, life is great. And to be in denial, he doesn't require you to feel like that in order to move in your life. He just says, roll away the stone. Let me deal with whatever comes out. Let me deal with whatever comes out of there. That's all you have to do is allow him to work in those moments. God doesn't want you to ignore major losses in your life. He doesn't want you to deny them. He wants you to be vulnerable and work through all of the emotions and all of the feelings. But he wants you to trust that he is going to bring good out of those moments. He walked with you in the pain and he understands that at moments we sometimes wish that things were different. There will always be moments in your life where you say, I didn't think that was gonna happen. There's no way I thought that was coming my way. Life was going really good and then that raised its head. There's no surprise in that. God says, I'm not surprised by it. But look again, open the tomb. And allow me to resurrect these things in your life where you can have fresh hope, fresh dreams for your future because God brings all things together for your good. Amen? So as I finish here, I want to just remind you that Jesus says, they take away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I actually say this for the benefit of everybody else, for the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. God says to you that yes, mistakes happen. Yes, pain happens. Yes, situations happen. And experiences happen that we can't understand but you can free yourself from the pain of it by just allowing him to work in these situations. So as I finish, I just want you to, I want you to close your eyes for, for a minute, we're, we're almost out of time. I want you to close your eyes and just give me a wee thing there, Ryan, that's great. God doesn't want you to ignore major losses you've experienced in your life. He doesn't want you to deny that they've ever happened. So take a moment with your eyes closed and reflect on some of those things, whatever they are some of them a little bit positive, some of them you can't understand, some of them you still can't understand years later. And I want to read this quote um, from John Piper, actually. It says, Occasionally weep deeply over the life you hoped would be, grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life that you have. Jesus says to Martha, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asks her a question Do you believe this? Yes, you believe Lazarus can rise again at the end, but do you believe right now in this moment, I can resurrect any pain, I can resurrect any sickness, I can resurrect any difficulty, I can work in every situation? Martha, do you believe this? In every heartbreak, in every trouble, in everything that you don't understand, he says, do you believe this? And She says, Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I thank you that you understand us. You understand our makeup, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, all of the good stuff, all of the things that we don't understand. But God, we accept that you have purpose in all things for my life. I trust and I will say that I'll look back and say, yeah, I saw the goodness of God. I didn't understand it at the time. I don't understand it right now, but I believe in faith. There is future for me. There is hope for me in any situation because God, you will get the glory out of this. That situation with my family, that situation, that addiction, that sickness, that difficulty, the financial losses, my career change, you will get the glory at the end of this. The enemy will intend it for harm, but you have intended it for good. For some of you, it's hard. It's been, it's been four days. You've pleaded with Jesus and he hadn't showed up. It's been a long time and he still hasn't showed up in that area. And you think like Mary and Martha, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus arrives exactly when he means to. He works in exactly the way that he can and he brings his glory out of every situation. So Jesus, as you're just pulling on things right now for people, we say that we lean not on our own understanding. We acknowledge you in all our ways. We acknowledge you and we will. you will make our paths straight. Occasionally weep deeply over the life you hope would be. Grieve the losses. Then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life that you have. Remember what God has done. Accept what God is doing right now. If you can't see him building something for you, in front of you, he is building something in you right now so that at the right time, there'll be a harvest. At the right time, you'll see his goodness. And we trust what you're about to do. Father, I thank you for your word. Just seal it in Jesus' name. Lord, we roll away the stone and we let you deal with, with whatever comes out. The emotions, the difficulty, the things we don't understand. We let you deal with that, Jesus. You're the only one who can. I thank you that we are eternally secure in you, righteous and holy and blameless. And you work in our lives because you love us and you're for us at all times.